0: Welcome to the LifeGiver Podcast. This is your host, Corey Weathers. I'm a clinician, military spouse, and advocate, and my co-host for this season is Sarah Foster, a first-responder spouse, mom, and homesteader. Join us for season seven, where we invite you into honest conversation about life, family, and home. So grab that cup of coffee or head out for a walk. It's time to reconnect with what matters most. Through all the storms, and am by your side. Through days of warmth, and by your side. Like the stars and the moon in the nighttime sky, I'm by your side. Welcome to the Life Giver Podcast. This is your host Corey Weathers, and I have Sarah with me as well. Hello. Hi, Sarah. Great to see you. I get to see you. Everybody else is hearing us, Um, but we are pretty much in the middle of season seven. I'm talking about um, all the many ways that we can reconnect this year in 2022. And we knew that this was gonna be an important topic, which is what does it mean to reconnect with your faith, with spirituality? And so this conversation is probably going to lean a little bit more faith-based, but I'm gonna encourage you guys to stick with us and listen, because it's not just about one particular faith, as much as it is about, I think in the service population, the many questions that come up about our faith the role that spirituality plays in the overall health of our mind and our marriages and our relationships and and ultimately our soul um, if you've been following the LifeGiver podcast for a while, there is an incredible series that I did with chaplain Timothy Mallard on moral injury. And I'm going to encourage you to, maybe after you listen to this episode, and we'll put the links in the show notes, but to go back and listen to Timothy Mallard's three-part series on moral injury, because it's it's really a good explanation of, I think, what it's like to go through the service lifestyle and do the things that we are asked to do as families, but also as service spouses um, And the very, very difficult things that civilians um, aren't usually asked to do, or don't think to do, or don't consider it their job to do, and um, they're really, really tough things that we're asked to do, and that affects our soul. Um, And so, Chaplain Mallard did an amazing job kind of talking about um, the impact of that injury on his own life, the things that he witnessed on 9-11 at the Pentagon, um, what it's been like for him to work with other people as they've navigated dealing with difficult things and what does it mean to come back home come back to your relationships come back ultimately to god and the place that church and our faith-based communities play the part in that and so this is going to be a continuation of that conversation as sarah and i kind of just hash out what does it mean to come back to your faith and sarah i know you and i um have been through quite a journey ourselves spiritually um in this lifestyle in our marriages in our own life in fact um it wasn't the first time that i met you because i got to do i met you and kenny doing the strength finder with you guys i did five sessions with you guys and you had a chance to go out on your um weekend away after those five sessions but then i met you at the empowered spouses retreat and um i remember you and i had uh, just several conversations about how do you integrate our faith into this lifestyle um especially when
1: it can be just a very rough lifestyle. <laughs> do you remember mm-hmm. some of the conversations that you and I had? Yes, I do. I think there's even like a photo of like you like in your mode like of like counsel like speaking truth and I'm like bawling. Like I just had this terrible cry face. I'll have to send it to you. <laughs> <'cause it's>, like, <laughs> but I remember that conversation like in what we were talking about of just that where I was at that time in my life of like, and I think I shared this some, I know I've said this before on, on one of the podcasts that we've done through the years, it might have been where's God in the dark places, the Sunday special we did. I'm not mm-hmm. sure, but I definitely was at a place in my life around the time that I met you of like <sighs> the nice little neat, clean box that can sometimes come from like a church church maybe community or just the atmosphere or like, this is what it means to live out your faith. It just was not meshing with the Mm -hmm. life that we were living. And it was like a a really, yeah, it was a really hard time. Like, because I was trying to force, I wanted to stay in the box because the box felt like nice and safe and like predictable. Um, But the life is constantly pulling me out of the box. And the question that I was kind of finding is like, What, what really defines faith? Like what really is living out your faith? Um, and is it this nice, neat little picture or is it a lot messier? Which I ended up deciding that it's a lot messier, (laughs) but it's a lot more rewarding. I actually think
0: so. Well, and I think yeah. part of your wrestling with that initial question was also it was the first time that you were surrounded by other spouses from the service lifestyle, and and please you know please correct me if I'm putting words in your mouth, but I think it was kind of this experience of community and fellowship and connection with these spouses that you had not really had it anywhere else and maybe i'm putting words in your mouth because that was definitely my experience coming into the military was the first real experience with community and and humans being just awesome to each other um was in the military community so am i putting words in your mouth or was that part of it <sighs> I think
1: my husband experienced that first. That that was really like the conundrum at first of like so I didn't necessarily set out to do this but when you know I came into my faith in my early 20s literally right before we got married and so then um I sought friendships in the church and um I did a lot in the church and then I started staying home and homeschooling and there were a, there was a big group from the church so I had this great support system on that side whereas my husband struggled to get integrated at all. Um, and find his role, um, even in that. And even if he, and of course in that scenario, it's always about just serving the, the institution and he couldn't find how to serve because he was constantly unavailable. And then also though, he's finding a, a, a deeper level of like intimacy for, oh, this is not a word he would use, but it's a deeper level of intimacy with these guys that he has on the team. And so as I've, so it was really about me kind of seeing like, oh, I can, there's this other group here that can offer me something or that has something that I need, um, and that they need from me and, um, and, and starting to branch out and go to those places, which my church world would have been like, it can just very easily get like, stay in your bubble. Mm -hmm. And and what I found, since kind of stepping out of that and and trying to invest more in the relationships that are not necessarily faith based, faith based, they're just based in this lifestyle, um, is that there is a depth of understanding um, that I have found in very very small pieces, but is not like broadly pouring out of a building. You know, like yeah. there it is in people. I do have good friends that are not in this lifestyle, but they're. I understand more and I see more as we move through this. Cause that was seven years ago, I think five or six years ago um, when all of this was happening. And um, since then I, I understand more, it used to be kind of hurtful or alarming to me that Kenny was finding closer relationships with people who really didn't even his faith. When, when as in faith, we're told that that's supposed to be the closest thing, but there's a secret sauce that these people have and that they actually can, they look evil in the face. And a lot of people in the building don't. Oh, so well said. And we're
0: so, going to have a whole other episode on community and they kind of go hand in hand. Like, um, cause mo- for most of us, our faith tradition, whatever your faith tradition usually involves either service to others or, um, worship with others or, um, attending whatever service you do with others. So there's like an element of, <laughs> um an outpouring like there whatever you kind of whatever is in the well comes out of the bucket right is that right yeah that's right and so (laughs) it didn't sound right at first but like there is a spiritual component of how are we taking care of our soul or our heart um and centering ourselves and what do we center ourselves on And then out of the outpouring of that comes connection and community and service to community. And so, um, those two really go well together. And so we're going to have another episode on community. Um, but I, I think you said that so well, and it's, I was thinking as you were talking that I'm going to speak in generalities. And so everybody's journey is different, but I wonder if it's very possible that a spouse's what i like to call the supporting spouse the spouse's experience of spirituality looks different and the needs are different than the service spouse's experience of spirituality because like you said for a lot of our service spouses both first responder and military for many of them the i would say the more Um, experience they have with evil, the more experience they have in combat or the more, the closer they are to death, the close, you know, the death of someone else or their own. um, The more they kind of have the temptation to put spirituality at arm's length, because it does something, I think, internally in your soul. And it's like, how do I then commune with these other people? Like you said, who don't face that kind of evil. And they start to feel this, I feel different. I feel other. And then you have the supporting spouse who isn't necessarily, unless you're a dual service couple, you're not necessarily facing evil every day. You're not going through the same experiences, even though you vicariously, you know, are living in the lifestyle, there is a different set of needs. There's a different journey. There's a different, um, I don't know. There's a different response and need for spirituality. And so I wonder how many couples have an internal struggle of one spouse that is craving, desiring, needing to be a part of um, a faith based um, community or spirituality in their life or how, sharing that intimacy with their spouse. And then maybe their spouse not necessarily wanting to draw close to that because of their internal struggle.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, I think it's probably pretty common, but it's, I think what's so interesting though, is those that want to put it at arm's length or think that they're different in reality, like they're, they can sometimes be closer to the truth than those who have created a life that insulates from reality. Like, does that make sense? Like, it's just very interesting because, um, you know, I think about even like in a service, uh, I have a friend who worked hospice for many years. And when you watch so many people literally leave their body, like you can't, deny there's, you, there is no longer like, you have to then come face to face and reconcile. Like, what is that? Where are people going? Like, how come some people, it's very volatile and dark. And how come some people it's peaceful and calm? Like you, whereas like me not being in that, I could say nothing exists after this. And it's easier for me to say that because I'm not watching people leave day in and day out. And I think it's similar to like the communities of like, in the church community, it can be easy to say, like, we just believe the best. Love believes the best. Like, you're like, well, hold on. Like there's a whole lot of evil, but it's easy when we're all around and we're playing nice and all our sins are kind of hidden. Like we've learned to stuff and play nice and whitewash mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and they live in a world where no one's playing nice or a lot of people like you, it, they, it can't be hidden. Everything's kind of coming to light. And so now they're faced with a decision of what does this mean? What, does this mean about me and kind? What does this mean about after, you know, they actually are closer sometimes I think to the truth than those sometimes that have insulated them so much in niceties or theories. Does that make sense? Oh yeah.
0: Oh yeah. And so I think, you know, coming into the military lifestyle, I mean, it challenged every, um, discipline that I was ever taught in my faith. I mean, when we went through that first deployment and I'm you know, wrestling and wrangling these two small toddlers by myself, like trying to find time by myself to have like independent spiritual time. That's for my soul. Like I would have to get up. It's like, and my kids were the kids, of course, that get up at 530 every morning. They were not the kids that sleep until 10. So, you know, and, and at night I'm too tired. Right. So it was a really big challenge for how do I have this relationship with God by myself? And then even trying to stay connected to a church at the time was challenging too. Like I remember Easter, you know, during, I think I've shared this on the podcast before, but, Easter service, like, did not happen during that deployment. Like, I tried my best to get those kids dressed up and do our Easter baskets and show up for service, only to arrive there by myself, like, just desperate for child care. I really didn't care if I even had an Easter service at that point as much as I needed the child care. And I got there, and they had changed the services for Easter morning, and I missed Easter service. And so then I had to, like, come home After all of that effort of getting everybody dressed up and I just cried like I was not going to have like your Easter brunch or your Easter lunch because that means I have to make it. And I know that that doesn't even probably have to do with anything that Easter is really supposed to be about. But when you grow up with here's all these traditions that make um, these moments like that, ground your spiritual moments or ground your relationship with God. And I felt like that was just one example of many of the traditions that I had to and continue to have to rewire, like, I had to decide that day that my spiritual life, that Easter had to be something that wasn't necessarily dependent on the building or the people (laughs) that day or the kids attitude or whether or not I was serving, you know, whether or not we even did Easter baskets. Like I had to like reframe all of that and so many other examples of that. And so I think this lifestyle for me moving a lot. I've had to move so many times. We have not had a church home in over 20 years. And I can't even begin to tell you the impact that that's had um, on our life, on my life. And so... I think it's important for us to talk about what is the role of spirituality in our lives in order to reconnect with it, because for many of us, traditions and disciplines really was what grounded us to that faith or grounded us to spirituality, and this lifestyle can very quickly sabotage those disciplines and those traditions and make us ask some really tough questions, and if you've not been through that before, COVID definitely was the beginning of that, I think. Does that make sense? I don't know, Sarah, from a first responder perspective, you maybe haven't had to move quite as much, but how have you had to be challenged in your perspective of what faith was or how it represented in your life?
1: If that makes any sense. Yeah, it has, it is different in that, um, we were a part of a, of a, gosh, I really struggle, especially, and we can get into this. I'm fine with sharing it, but like we left our church, um, during COVID. It wasn't because of COVID. It was because because of not biblical teaching, but we (laughs) left after being there for, um, 13 years. So we had this home church. We did that. Like we, and we, um, like kind of like did all the things they asked of us as far as like, Hey, you're a new member and so this is what you should do. You should get plugged in and you should do small groups and you should lead. And we did all of those things, um, for a long time. But so even though I had that consistency of like, I regularly attend this place and I know these people associated with it. Um, it still was being sabotaged in that I did Easter services by myself, you know, because holidays and weekends and all that stuff doesn't matter. And, um, and so, you know, cause my, think of my Easter story. It's not as bad as yours. I seriously wanted to like cry when you were sitting there saying it. Cause I didn't like, Oh, this is so hard, but I was pregnant because my kids are 15 months apart. So I was really big pregnant with, um, my second son and my first son was only just over a year old. He had just turned a year. And I literally, I don't even know if you know what these are, but they're like Gerber's used to make these, we called them purple puffs. They were like these little rice puffs. But they were grape or purple. I don't know. Luke loved them. And so I just shoved that kid full of purple puffs the entire time. So we could sit there. So I don't know what was said. I don't know, (laughs) but I was there, (laughs) you know? Yeah. But it was that came with its own thing of like, my tradition was like, we should all be here. And what does that mean? If, so if I'm doing all the things and jumping through all the hoops, that that could be defined as growing like i'm growing in my faith because i'm doing everything that's required of me. And <laughs> so then mm-hmm. what does that mean for my husband? who is missing it? who's yes. not serving like it means that is, that means that he's stunted. is that what that's is that what you're saying? And so i think uh, that challenge is real like both from the, the military side and then even from the first responder side of like when you don't fit in to what they define as growing or community or whatever um i just kept thinking to myself, listening to you, I'm like, yes, that's so hard. Like the things 20 years, not being able to do some of those things, but I also think what a gift because you're closer to the truth, which is that it's not always in those things, you know, which I think we're going to get to, but so yeah, it's hard, but it also has been such, I'm so glad that, um, I'm thankful for that. How would you say, I guess a perspective of like being able to be yanked out of that mindset, because I would have loved to set up shop there. but it kind of missing the truth, some of the truths. It's not that those things are bad, but they, like you were saying, they don't define spirituality and they don't even define whether or not you're growing in your faith. It actually can be a wonderful, like, again, like whitewashing, like, look, I'm doing all the things. I really don't have much faith at all, but I'm doing all the things like, you know? So,
0: yeah. And let me, um, go back to one of the first things that we said, I think on the first episode where we talked about front front porch conversations, because when I was referencing Matt talking about front porch conversations um, during a talk that he gave, it was actually a talk on like overall spirituality um, and not necessarily talking about one particular faith. And so one of the things that he said when he used that metaphor, he was kind of saying, Hey, all right, here's the deal we're going to talk about the importance of spirituality in your life. And there are certain ways that we can have this conversation. And so on one hand, like we want to be able to have this high level conversation as if it's a front porch conversation, meaning like your neighbors can gather and everybody from different experiences can come together and we can have a front porch conversation about the importance of spirituality. But let's all admit that there are other conversations that we could really kind of dive down the rabbit hole and get into like really um, specific kind of Um, conversations about spirituality, if it was a dinner table conversation or a living room conversation, that we had much more time to really unpack all of it. And so we're going to do our best in this episode to kind of have a front porch porch conversation. But also, um, please understand that Sarah and I come from the same faith tradition. And so you'll probably also be hearing us have what I would call a living room or a dinner table conversation (laughs) about the role of our faith and our shared faith um, in this lifestyle. And so when we talk about like, what is that importance of spirituality? Um, It really is about, and I I always go back to my time working in substance abuse when I would teach relapse prevention because I would had to work with so many people going through the 12 steps. Like for four years straight, I was going through the 12 steps with other people at different paces at different (laughs) stages of like, you know, while one session might be somebody going through step one of just acknowledging that they have a problem, you know, the next session I'm on step six with someone, helping them move through forgiveness and Um, Making amends with family members, and and what is it like to wrestle with all that? While the next session might be someone exploring, like, what do I believe? Do I believe that there is a higher power? Do I believe that there is something outside of myself? And so I just grew so much during that time. And that was before I even entered the military um, lifestyle. And so when I think about the importance of spirituality, I kind of go back in my mind during that time of the 12 steps because it was really, um, impactful for me to see to examine my own faith or these stages of going first of all step one is realizing all right and anytime and this is across the board of humanity like anytime we as human beings try to do it by ourselves we're going to hit a ceiling of our own strength of our own abilities and we're going to hit a ceiling of capability um or a of strength, even. And if you've ever, you know, speaking to supporting spouses out there, well, I guess it's actually to everyone, regardless. I think we've all experienced whether it was a deployment or through whether you're a deployment at home or deployment um, abroad, or whether you have been out working a shift that went. That was just it asked a lot of you, like, I think we've all experienced our own personal limit, you know, and that's what I think brings us all together in this lifestyle is that we've experienced some level of difficulty and suffering that requires us to go, wow, I cannot do this by myself. I need someone to help me (laughs) like, you know. So far, Sarah, so many of our conversations, even this season has been about like, when I hit my limit, what will I do? Like we've already put out the episode on being proactive and not reactive. That was a lot of like, okay, when I'm leaning on my own strength and my own ability, I'm going to get tired and exhausted and react in ways that I don't want to react. And sometimes being proactive is reaching outside of myself and realizing I need help. Right. And so I love that about like the first step of realizing every time I try to do this life by myself, I hit my own limits and it starts to kind of self-destruct like out of exhaustion or isolation or I'm just tired. I can't do it anymore. I need parenting tools, marriage tools. I need I just need help. And I think that's a very important step in in anything that we are trying to do, whether it's spirituality or not, is just realizing I have limits. And to admit that we have limits means to admit that we as human beings are not gods. You know, like I talk a lot about superheroes and I love talking about superheroes. And one of the reasons why I love superheroes is that even though Wonder Woman is part God, supposedly, and we could say Superman is even like he's a God or he comes from another universe. They have limits. They have like, there's limits to their power. There's limits to their abilities. And so they're not even fully gods, right? And so there is a step in the 12 steps where after we admit that we have our own limits, that It is so helpful to our ability to move forward in this life to recognize that we need something outside of ourselves because to recognize that there's something outside of ourselves means to recognize that we have our limits. And so there were some that... You know, if you have a background of a faith system, a faith tradition where there was um, a God that you, that could that you could look to that was bigger than you, that had um, abilities that were bigger than you, that that is like a step that we have to acknowledge that there is something outside of ourselves. But there was many people that I worked with that were just scared to go that direction, and the first step for them was at least acknowledging that community was the next step that they could step. Step outside of themselves and look towards that. Um, I even I even had somebody that for them a first step, and because they were so wounded by spiritual abuse they had to just say, you know what? The moon is bigger than me. I'm just gonna start there every time I come outside. And it goes, actually reminds me that I'm gonna let you respond, here because I'm saying a lot. But I just did an interview for the Independent Wellness Summit where I interviewed um, a woman who was sharing her research on the impact of of nature, the impact of getting outside. And there's so many studies that are coming out that say that um, we need to have the necessary experience of of awe, that there is something about awe A-W-E, that makes us, it kind of shifts our perspective, puts us back in a rightful place, a rightful view of ourselves. that And that's what that woman was doing when she was like, I'm just going to start with the moon because that might sound scary. Like, is she worshiping the moon? But it's really about like going outside and for her to recognize that there is something bigger than her um, and maybe something that made that, that's bigger than her. And it's that experience of awe to realize I'm actually so much smaller yeah. And I sometimes think that I am. And so I need to recognize that if I'm that small compared to the Grand Canyon or that small, when I walk into a, th- a
1: cathedral, there is that experience of awe that puts us in a rightful place. What I hear you saying is I hear the progression of your right. Like, um, the first step being that you need the ability to <clears throat> recognize that you, your own limitations, Um, Because you are in theory, like, and that's what we are even trying to do as a sidestep in like our homeschool approach of like... question everything. We don't want you to just like bleh, back to us, question it, like walk it out, walk the logic out. And so if I'm feeling defeated and I'm feeling like I can't do it, or I'm looking at this pattern where every time I fail, um, I need to ask myself, what am I expecting of myself? Why I'm expecting myself to maybe be omnipotent to maybe be like, you know, I'm expecting these things that then I have to realize I'm not. Mm-hmm. So then if I'm not ready for that next step, then yeah, I go to community and Hey, I find someone who, helps me and helps me heal in certain ways, but even they will fail me. You yes. hang around in community enough. And then you're like, okay, well, how do I know I feel about you myself? Hit their, you hit their limits. Yes. Yeah. And so then, then the next step is like, then the something outside of, of that, you know, and then even that you can walk, like you said, looking in awe, getting perspective of that, you know. Kenny says it all the time. Like for him, that is what like just solidifies. He says, "Go outside and look around and tell me someone didn't make it." Like you know, because that's yeah. that's and I've heard him come back to that as this lifestyle has like challenge things or the church or the institution has challenged things of like right and wrong and and what what's this and what's truth and what's not and then we just always come back to these like fundamental things and for him that is a big one that's his fundamental thing that he will always say like walk outside yeah. you know look around and get perspective look up among many of us can't see the stars anymore because of all the light pollution but it's like when you're in a position to be able to see that many stars and you start thinking about and allow your yourself to think. And you start thinking not about your own problems, not about your own sufficiency. Like you start thinking like, holy cow, like there's an entire universe. And I'm this little tiny speck on this little tiny golf ball on this little, tiny, you know, and that's good for us. It's good for us because we can get stuck and trapped inside ourselves. I can't tell you how many
0: individuals and couples that I've seen that without a healthy spirituality in their life, that they, that they start worshiping other people. Or worshiping Mm -hmm. community and those people are going to let you down or even more so worshiping your spouse and let me tell you what i mean by worshiping your spouse because i'm not talking about like you're bowing down to your spouse but there are so many things that we can do Where we're revolving around our spouse and not honoring ourselves, where we are um, expecting them to be perfect, expecting them to be a a God and never get anything wrong. And so we're really mad and disappointed when they do have a flaw or they disappoint us. And I'm not talking about betrayal and, and malicious behavior or cruel behavior. I'm just talking about just being a human being that makes a mistake that we get so frustrated like, how could you, you know, not be thoughtful? How could you, you know, whatever, not call me when when um, you were supposed to come home at a certain time and now I'm mad because you, you weren't being thoughtful, right? I mean, there's so many ways that we can find ourselves worshiping our spouse and expecting them to be perfect. Um, rather than realizing they are just as flawed as we are, and we need to have the mutual um, dispensing of grace between you know both of us, and that that heals a lot of relationships. But I think it's a first step to realize that sometimes we find ourselves wor- worshiping other people, hoping they are going to be the answer when we hit our limit and we hit our inability to push through something. That I'll just rely on everyone else, and then they let you down, and that can be a form of worshiping of other people when we have. To remember that they're flawed. And so that's one of the reasons why the 12 steps talks about um, a higher power, not just community, not just other people. 12 steps is huge about having a mentor and making sure you rely on the community for that support, but there has to be a higher power, something that you lean on that is not going to let you down. Mm-hmm. And so, um, Obviously, there's so many health benefits, obviously, like there's a sense of peace, there is a sense of calm that comes in our life. Um, There's so much research that talks about the importance of, for example, anxiety is, is caused by a lot of things. It can be physical, it can be worries in your mind, and it can also be your emotions. But a panic attack or feeling anxiety physically is basically our heartbeat being out of um, rhythm with our breathing. And so just even breathing deep breaths is the one thing you can control as deep breaths. And so when you control your breathing, you can actually get your heart rate and your breathing back in sync. It calms your whole body and it addresses your anxiety. But there's so much research that shows that yoga that teaches that deep breathing and prayer and meditation have similar... Um, they kind of work the same in that it puts you in a mental state that prepares, that calms your body and brings peace to your body because you're centering yourself on something other than just your own limitations or kind of being trapped, if you will, in your own skin. And so there's so many health benefits to this too. Um, Not to mention there's a whole conversation, which is not necessarily what today's subject is on, but a whole conversation on where do you find truth? Where do you find answers? Where do you find direction? Um, When we are faced with really complicated things, which we are in this lifestyle, like how do you define good versus evil? How do you define when people um, do destructive things? I always say that this lifestyle, whether it's military or first responder is about facing the worst of what humanity can do to each other. And so we have to figure out how, especially in our homes, in our marriage, how to be the best of humanity to each other. And that, that comes with like, where do I get that instruction on how to, what does it mean to be the best of humanity? What does that actually even look like? How do I measure myself on um, being the best or behaving the best that humanity can behave? Um, I mean, there's so many that have had to take a life. Mm-hmm. And they don't even feel like they can step into a church. And it's mm-hmm. partly how do I face God if I have taken a life? Um and again I would encourage you to go back and listen to I did one called um blood on blood on his hands. The warrior with blood on his the hands. The warrior yeah. with blood on mm-hmm. his hands. Um about David being a special operations um mm-hmm. soldier turned king. Um but for a lot of our service spouses who have had to take a life, that is hard to face for some of them—not all of them—but for some of them, how do I face God if I've if I've done that? Is is that okay? Um, I've heard service members say I, I feel like I sold my soul to do some mm-hmm. of the things that I had to do, and that's not every service member, um, but there's a few out there that that feel that way. Um, and separately there are those it's one thing to face god it's another thing to face others like you were talking about in in those faith based institutions that may not understand um, or you look different. You look different than the rest of the community. And how do I join this community if you if I've got tattoos and I dress differently? And um, this lifestyle sometimes doesn't necessarily, it isn't, it's a very gritty lifestyle, mm-hmm. um, which is what I love about this lifestyle. It's so gritty. And so for some of you, you live and you think and you've experienced a very gritty journey. And so, how do you walk into what feels like a very pure sometimes holy space. If you feel like you you live a very gritty existence, that's very difficult for people. Um, so I think that there's a lot of questions that we might bring to, you know, how do I reconnect with my spirituality when my faith tradition might have scripture or might have Um, a doctrine that has very strong statements about what it means to take life, what it means to um, sin, what it means to, right? And so I think one of the things that we're here to say, I think Sarah and I can both say, is um, that's why I would say definitely go back and listen to the episodes that we've mentioned already because it will help you address some of those deeper questions. Which is, you know, this is a lifestyle that I believe people are called to. And it's a lifestyle that if we didn't have it, there would not be justice, there would not be order, there would not be. Um, consequences that have to be in place um, for everyone to live in some kind of peace and safety. And so it is a calling that very few people can respond to that calling, and it's an honorable calling. And there's plenty of, I think, in almost every faith, not all of them, but in almost every faith tradition, there is some element of the importance of justice, the importance of um order um and how to keep that order and so i see it as a very high calling and in every tribe going back to every faith tradition there's also been warriors that are part of that tribe one of the things that i feel like a whole other conversation maybe we can touch on this on community when we talk about that sarah but a whole other conversation about how do you welcome a a warrior back into the tribe back into the village because that's something we don't do very well anymore and so kind of transitioning into how do you reconnect with your your spirituality again perhaps it's something that you since covid have kind of like you're trying to you're having a hard time re-entering back into um what does it mean to get back into some order or spirituality in your life um but i I loved that conversation with um, Chaplain Mallard because he said something that I had not really thought of before. You know, oftentimes we think about like, if, if I'm going to, become more congruent with my soul and kind of come back to spirituality and align myself back to my faith, that I should just go straight to God, right? Straight to that source, straight to that higher power. And that's how most of us probably would answer that of like, you know what? I feel disconnected. I feel a lack of peace. Um, And you know, like if you're listening to this right now and it's something that you've been thinking about for a while and it's something you feel called to kind of come back to or come back home to... um, it, you're feeling that as we're talking about it right now, like, you know, if it's something that's just been kind of like on your spirit, on your mind for you, it's that it's time. Maybe it's time for you to come back to, like Sarah is saying, explore some of those questions, um, ask some of those questions. I mean, we've told our kids, like, if if God can't handle some of your biggest emotions and your biggest questions, then he's not a God. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's able to handle all of that. Um, I mean, Job, I, I haven't said this to Matt, I was reading through Job recently and And it occurred to me you know god didn't answer job if you're not familiar with the story of job so much suffering so much loss so many so much of his community even letting him down but you know god you know god didn't answer any of his questions of why and some of somebody's listening right now going i can't reconnect with my spirituality because i feel so let down by people so let down by people that i thought were close to god um so let down by life and so let down by God himself that you've been going through medical crisis or a marriage crisis or a parenting crisis and you have said you've kind of equated all of that is on God and so therefore I'm not going to draw close to God because God therefore must not love me because of all these things that are happening in my life and so I'm writing him off and it occurred to me the other day when I was reading Job you know God didn't answer Job until he was at a breaking point and that wasn't punishment on Job it was I think probably because that's when Job would actually listen. Mm -hmm. He was going to be ready to listen. That it was actually when he started to break, when everything, including the community around him was starting to break down and not able to give him the answers. And he held on so strong until even the community around him started to fall apart. That he finally broke and took his biggest questions to God and his biggest anger and frustration and disappointment to God. And that's when God actually answered. So somebody out there I know is wrestling with, I can't reconnect with my spirituality because God has let me down. People Mm -hmm. have let me down. Life has let me down. And so therefore I'm going to write off this higher power when I'm here to say like, if God can't handle that, then he's not actually a God. Mm -hmm. So Sarah, thoughts on that or something else?
1: I just keep thinking like the picture that we're talking about is like kind of like what you said, those steps. And if we just like shrink them to three, like my limitations, my community's limitations. So I need to go outside of my community, which leads Mm. to something higher, which should have, which still has limits, right? Because that thing higher than me gets to set limits. I'm higher than my children and I set their limits. We set a bedtime, we set a, so it's that higher thing has to have some form of um, like authority in that I'm looking to it as that I don't have the answers, but this thing will like this higher Mm -hmm. thing. Um, and so I think it is interesting. That's what I've been thinking is I feel like for us, you know, we kind of did need to do more of the, if we go one, two, three, one being self two being community, three being higher power, we went one, three, because yeah. two pissed us off. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. two, community hurt us. So thank, thank God that I find refuge in God because community yeah. is hurting me. Now you though, find that refuge in healing. And you're going to see that in that commandment is to be that we're not meant to be. It's not good for us to be alone. Yeah. So then I go more back out of obedience the community with the right expectations on everybody. And this is what I keep thinking is those who are afraid because, you know, spiritual abuse right now is like really big. Like mm-hmm. we, you and I have talked about that, the Mars Hill podcast. I think a lot of people know what that is, even if they aren't in the Protestant world, like they are familiar with um, Christianity today, um, mm-hmm. the rise and fall of Mars Hill, right? Is that the actual um which shed light on like what spiritual abuse even looks like um and you know when i first heard that word like years ago i remember kind of thinking like i don't know about spiritual abuse like i think we're like kind of labeling everything abuse but then the more i really thought i'm like you know misusing mm-hmm. you know in this case misusing scripture misusing god's word misusing your um authority like or 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 authority that you've given yourself or maybe others have given to you doesn't mean it's necessarily correct authority. Um it is abuse and it is manipulative. And then when you're hurt, you do have to untangle that. And so I think we the untangling belongs to that people, this is what I thought a lot about because there's been a lot of stuff over the last few years of like that in especially in Christian communities, even with COVID, and I'm not going to say which side, but either side has said that's not showing Jesus that's not very loving. Like, you know, like, and I just keep to myself, okay. Like there is a part of us that has to, um, that I, like I just said, we submit to something higher and we should be known by our actions and you know, we should look different. Um, however, I'm Mm -hmm. going to fail you. Mm -hmm. I may even be making the wrong decision. I might be trying to make it from the right motives, but if you're looking to me to like be the light of the world, like, (laughs) well, you're going to be really disappointed um, because I'm not, you know? And so mm-hmm. I just, even that whole notion, just we want to make anecdotes and boxes of this is what it means in our everyday life. When in reality, it's like stepping out and untangling that, okay, here are my expectations on people. Here are my expectations on God. Here's where I go for this need. Here's where I go for this need. I go for that complete understanding and truly what feels like to me refuge in that when the world is failing me when my husband is failing me when my kids are failing me and when i say that i mean they're not giving me what i need mm-hmm. and my community has hurt me and and the world seems crazy and i'm scared i find refuge in his words and truth that he has forgiven me that he has lo- that he loves me that it covers me that he sees my i can see my brokenness and get into over brokenness of like, Oh, I'm so terrible. He tells me not to stay there. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. and so I have no one can do that for me. Kenny does it for me. Well, a lot of times, but he's a person and sometimes I'm too much for him. All of that affirm me and make me feel better. And Mm -hmm. he can only, he has limits and he should, and I shouldn't be going to him. Like you said, for that. But I think what you were saying too, of like worshiping is, you know, I think sometimes we look because of the world that we live in, which is, is postmodern. And, and even they're even saying now it's like post postmodern, which is like, mm-hmm. everything is really relative. And we think about these archaic forms of worship. Like we've got a little, little candle, little, you know, whatever. The fact is what you're speaking to, what science is showing, what research is showing is that there are these elements to us that we will worship something yeah. it's how you define worship. Worship is what you elevate as to be your source. So if you're looking to yourself to be your source, you are in fact worshiping yourself, which means you're yeah. demanding that you be a God, which is why you feel burned out because you are not. Yeah. So I think that's what what you're kind of talking about is like, there's this, need for community, need for self-awareness of self-awareness, how to take care of yourself, limitations, all that stuff. And there's also this need to recognize that part of us, when we look at us to be self-aware, has a piece that is always searching for God. It's searching for something to fulfill it. And it's getting disappointed by all the things that it sees, you know, if it's looking in the wrong places. Oh
0: yeah, so good. And so that that reminds me, because I didn't say like what it was that, Um, Chaplain Mallard said that surprised me, but it goes exactly with what you're saying, which is uh, in some way, when we talk about reconnecting, it is like about how do I go to God as that source, right? Right. Um, but what I thought he, what I thought was really interesting is when he talked about what does it mean to heal our soul, especially if we've been wounded by other people or moral injuries being is being asked to do something that goes against your values, against your morals, especially if somebody in authority has asked you to do something. there is there is spiritual injury. There is, um, I think, a a community, a soul injury, and then there's moral injury. And I think any of those injuries to our soul, whether it's we were asked by authority to do something that goes against our values, and so how do I wrestle with myself and my relationship with God? Like, did I do something that is so wrong that God will no longer accept me? And then it's also wrestling, like you're saying, with man. Like, how how do I heal this deep wound Um, about community or about other people. And so that can also happen in our marriages. But I know that there are also people that are listening right now that maybe... You reconnecting with your spirituality, is something that comes very natural to you, and you feel off like after about a week, and you're like, I got to get back to God and get back to my my spiritual center, and it's very easy for you. And then perhaps you're looking at your spouse or even a child that you have, a teenager, an adult, um, an adult child, and you're you're seeing them wrestle with their relationship with God. And I'm telling you, Gen Z is challenging our faith-based traditions and disciplines like nobody's business. Like they are calling everything into question and basic, and they're asking very good questions, which is, why do we need to go to church? Why do we need to have these traditions? Like is spirituality really about what I wear on Sunday morning? Is it really about that I do a devotional every day or are you going to actually teach me how to pray? Like they're asking yeah. some really yeah. important questions about this authenticity of like I only they're saying I only want to be a part of something that is genuine and authentic and on a deep life change level because all of y'all out there that are doing things on a surface level, I'm not impressed with your attitude. That's what they're saying. So when we talk about reconnecting with your spirituality, I know some of you are looking at your spouse or your kids and going, I don't know how to help them reconnect. And how do I help like start like engaging in that journey? And so what Chaplain Mallard said was. While some of us might be able to jump right back into a relationship with that higher power or with God, that we recognize that sometimes the first step towards the faith journey and and reconnecting with our spirituality actually looks like what's happening in our home and in our relationships in our home first. Like mm-hmm. there has to be safety in these conversations at home and that we as spouses and as parents play a vital role in showing that we can be the best of humanity in our home. And then from there, Chaplain Mallard said, we go from the safety of that to then the role that the church and the community plays. And sometimes for a lot of those who are not quite ready to re-engage in their spirituality, they have to experience at home first then their touch point with community and how people are going to treat each other outside of that before they even engage in a relationship with God. So there's a lot of messiness that can happen there. Um, and then we do have to have those tough conversations about when people, when community, when others are flawed and are not perfect, how will I then, um, wrestle with that so that I don't write off God completely. Mm -hmm. So, um, so Sarah, I know we're running out of time here. Um you you before we hit record, you reminded me of a post that I wrote back in 2020 and I remember writing this. So um I said that you could share it um during the episode. So why don't you share, you know, so it's not me like look what I wrote, but like I think it, oh. it takes us to <laughs> takes us to the the I think a good place for us to wrap up the conversation. Um, So why don't you read that and then maybe share a little bit of like, why did you go back and look up that post in particular? Um, when we talked about doing an episode on spirituality?
1: Well, yeah, this came to my mind because when I think about reconnect, I think about all the stuff that's been hurled at us the last few years, which is kind of what birthed this podcast of like, okay, like we need to, we can't just keep going the way that we've been. And we need to circle back and figure out what we need to come back to. Um, and I think that this, that's what this, um, post that you wrote, like it describes that process. So this is what you wrote. And it was on June 18th of 2020. it says, I want this virus to go away. I hope that things go back to normal. I hope that my marriage will make it. I hope that my spouse will try harder. I hope that people will stop fighting. I hope that people will change. We can hope for a lot of things. If we are not careful, we will assume that our hope is synonymous with God's plan or desire. The truth is, God did not promise our marriage would make it, our children would be healthy, that the virus would end, that people would change, or the culture shift. In fact, all of God's promises point to Jesus. Among many of them, he promises he will not leave you or forsake you in your suffering, even when you create that suffering and the distance you feel from him. By the way, he also didn't promise to remove the consequences of your choices. But again, He promises to be there through his son, Jesus. Therefore, we can only place our hope in that which he has already promised, Jesus. That's it. If you're hoping in something today that is clearly based in the actions of other people, your hope will be unfulfilled, leaving you eventually disappointed. The truth is he will be there when the virus doesn't go away, when we find a new normal, whether your marriage makes it or not, or in the disappointment that your spouse is not the God you want them to be. He will be there when the world shouts louder over each other to be heard. He will be there when the fighting ends as we stand before him and acknowledge that we hoped in all the wrong things. He is the only thing that does not change. And I am so grateful to hope in that. And, you know, first of all, it's my job to stalk you, (laughs) figure out what you're doing and what your content is and all that stuff. So I, um, I came across that actually months ago when we were, I was doing something for you and I was just looking at your posts and just thinking of things and, um, I read it. And of course, honestly, if you're just like asking me why I even came, the first thing I thought is I'm like, this is why I love you because you were the first gateway to this other life for me where it wasn't in a box and it wasn't sterile and it was acknowledging the suffering and the pain that I was seeing in this lifestyle that I was living in my own life. Um, And just this ability to um, be patient and kind to those who maybe don't necessarily Maybe it might even think all of that is just a bunch of crap, but like still like you have the boldness to say it um, and to believe it. And I think that is when we even talk about spirituality or when we talk about when you're saying like Gen Z is challenging things and they want to see authentic. I think we all are longing for this place where we can be who we are. And that doesn't mean all this other stuff that that just because I say these things or just because you say that doesn't mean that then you hate someone who doesn't believe it. But you are entitled to believe it Mm -hmm. um, and to say it. And so, um, I just, to me, that's the picture of reconnect, because I think all of those things you listed in those, um, those first few things are things I've, I've fallen to as well of like, Oh my God, just I want this to go away. Or if Kenny would just become all of these things or all of these things. And it represents how that constant reconnect that I have to go back to God, what he's promised me, what he's not the lies that man has said about him, the mis teachings that they have taught, um, we didn't teach or we didn't touch on it, but I really, it keeps coming back to my head. And I just want to say it, you know, one of the things we were studying this year were the 10 commandments and, you know, um, and I think you may have addressed this in the warrior with blood on his hands, but you always hear thou shalt not kill thou shalt not kill. Mm -hmm. And a lot of service people, you're right. They wrestle with that because they've had to kill but the, the actual like word there that is in Hebrew is not referring to murder. There are two Mm -hmm. separate things. Mm -hmm. And I asked Kenny that I said, did you know that? And he's like, I'm pretty sure I did. And I'm like, how many people do you know that feel like they can't come near to God because of that? Like that, that would change if they just knew that it's not that anytime God referred to warrior, Mm -hmm. it's thou shall not murder. It's Mm -hmm. not thou shall not kill. And that in, and what freedom that is, but what but doctrines have held people in bondage that aren't necessarily true. And so that is why we have live in a wonderful time right now where we can we can question everything and we can find the answers for ourselves. We don't have to rely necessarily on that one person, that one authority, we have the tools and capabilities to find out the truth for ourselves and to seek and ask and, and to dismantle maybe some of the lies we've picked up along the way. And I know that that's what my journey has been like, especially these last few years of just dismantling traditions that were entangled with what defined faith and they weren't the same. And, you know, so I don't know. I love that post and I love you. And that is why I love you because of just the way you speak truth oh, and just who you are. You. I didn't, I <laughs> didn't know you were going to share that when no, I said, No, you did not. I brought this up. <laughs> I did, Corey, did I, not, Corey did not approve this message. I <laughs> just made it up.
0: <laughs> and I, um, and I receive it. I, I received the, um, the compliment and the thoughts, um, which is why I love you too, Sarah. And, you know, it's funny because when I was in seminary, um, I had to take this, you know, I first started with a Master of Divinity and I quickly realized I was not built for a Master of Divinity. I needed to just get my Master's of Counseling still from a seminary, but I switched it. And and it was all because of this one class. I had to take this one class class. And it was on one theologian, like one guy was on this, one, this class, this one German theologian named Moltmann. And, um, and the whole class, we had to study his book called The Theology of Hope. And I had a nervous breakdown because of this class, because... The whole book was translated from German to English, so it was still kind of broken, and yet it's doc, It's like theology, and it's just really hard to understand, and it was on a deep—I mean, I'm a deep person, but, like, when we get into, like, really deep theological stuff, like, and it's translated from German, I was struggling. I was on the struggle bus, for sure, and— I pretty and our, and our marriage was going through a very difficult time. In the beginning years of our marriage, we were very public about that. It was also during that season. So here I am trying to like study the deeper things of God from a German theologian. My marriage is not awesome. Like, I and, and we get to the final exam of this class and I had to summarize this giant book. And I probably paid, what, $3,500 for this class, this one class and this one theologian. And I walked away with one sentence. The only thing that we can hope for is that which he has already promised.
1: Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm.
0: All of the other things that we try to put our hope in will fail us. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And that was the truth of all of scripture from a Christian or Protestant, probably Catholic, you could put in there too, that we, we try to, are we are naturally as human beings, we are going to latch onto, and the story of scripture really is about people latching onto everything that they're trying to hope in. Other people, their traditions, like their timeline, their way of doing things. Like we as human beings, to your point earlier, Sarah, we are built to want to latch on to something stable, um, and this lifestyle that we are in is very chaotic and it is constantly out of order. And so it's very, it's very much in our DNA to try to latch on to something that makes sense of of anything. And so we try to find hope in a cure an answer that our our marriage is going to be okay that our kids are going to be safe that like all these things that we want to hope in and all of those things will let us down because again we're not gods and so that one sentence the only thing that we can hope in is in a higher power that is already promised and and i'm just going to end um with our faith tradition so Please don't write off the whole podcast if this is the first time you've ever listened to this, because <laughs> we are going more faith based on this one. But we believe that we believe in Jesus. And in the whole story of scripture is basically saying it's a story of people trying to hope in all these things and really hoping that God will ultimately have the answer. And we also believe that what he is, that there's no new revelations. There's a lot of of God and the Holy Spirit illuminating scripture, mm. illuminating things in our life, like basically shining a spotlight on things that, that we need to see in our life to bring us back to a place of reconnecting in our spirituality. And, and God will often illuminate things that he wants us to see. But we believe in our faith tradition that there's no new revelations everything that god has already promised and already said has already been said and already been canonized even and so there's no new revelations and so we can therefore say the only thing that we can hope in is that which has already been promised and there's lots of god's promises throughout scripture but all of those promises point to jesus they mm-hmm. all point to Jesus ultimately. And so this theologian that made me have a nervous breakdown that I was so angry at, i it's so ironic that I can go through this lifestyle and now say, anytime I get my hopes up or anytime I find myself disappointed in someone or something, I have to come back to this. Well, what was I hoping in? Like, was I hoping in myself? Was I hoping in the military? Was I hoping that the next assignment was going to be easier? Was I hoping that parenting was going to be easy? Was I hoping that marriage would never hurt me? Was I hoping that my friend would never hurt me or that my family would never hurt me? What was I hoping in? Because Mm -hmm. I was probably hoping in something that had no legs to stand on, on Mm -hmm. anything stable that they could ever like, not let me down. And so I have to come back to, I was hoping in something that was never going to give me that kind of stability. And I have to remind myself, I can only hope in that which he already promised. If I lean on that, on this higher power that is not going to let me down, then it's going to bring that much more peace to my life and the reminder of how I'm going to actually get through all the things that are going to let me down. Mm -hmm. So Sarah, I'm going to let you close us out. Um, This has been a wonderful topic, a heavy topic. Thank you to those of you who stuck with us through the whole thing. Um, It's a necessary um, topic. We talk about reconnecting with what we need and how to center our lives. And so what would you say to someone right now who is really like, I know I need to reconnect in this area of my life and I have a lot of uncertainty about it, Um, maybe a little fear about it too, but it's just something that's on my heart. What would you say to them?
1: I think it's kind of the same sentiment that we've been saying throughout this whole series is it's never too late to start and you just start something you simply start. And And I think that was one of the things that I wanted to say too, is, you know, we are all in a process and I'm thankful for that because like I said, you know, these last few years, um, being in a position where things were really challenged and I was forced to find it out for myself, um, what I there's who God says he is. And then there's what man says God is. And we and sometimes those two are correct. And sometimes they're not. And having to dismantle and find out truth, I'm thankful that I knew the whole time that God wasn't mad at me that I was getting it wrong, or that I had gotten it wrong. He was thankful that I was trying to get it right, you know, in that I was in so your step may be small, but it's still a step in the right direction. So even if it is like whatever that first step might be, w- whether you're more like a one, three, like what I was saying earlier, you just want to, you just want to bypass people and you just want to sit mm-hmm. and find those questions, find the answer to those questions yourself. And you're having a hard time trusting people who even in their spiritual authority, like I totally understand that, that mm-hmm. concept of, I don't trust spiritual authority. Um, you have the capability to find those truths and begin in prayer and begin in, in just speaking to him and begin in um reading the you know the bible for yourself. Like that I went through a period of that where I didn't listen to anybody. I didn't want to listen to anybody's teaching on anything. I just needed to get context and I needed to figure out what was being said and I need to ask God to strip all away the 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 false stuff that had been in my head for so long. Um, and so but maybe that's your first step, or maybe your first step is you can't do one, three, and you need to do one, two. And so you're going to go back to that community, or you're going to start to realize even your first step is I have my own limitation. So what does that mean? I think if you continue with that posture of wanting to truly know the truth, wanting to seek it and taking those steps, like he is faithful. I mean, the, the Bible says that he, his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And I always have to remind myself, it's not a floodlight. Mm. It's like a, like a lamp, like carry a lamp outside and not an led one. Like, like put like, (laughs) like light a lamp and go outside and see how far you can see, you know? And, and I'm thankful that he wants that reliance on him and he's patient and kind. And so whatever that first step looks, I would just encourage, I think that's for, it's different for everyone, but to take it and to know that you don't have to have all the answers and you can know that you're even messing some of it up, but just take that first step, you know, like we've, it's, it's the whole point of reconnect, take that first brushstroke. And is it going to be solid and, you know, perfect? No, but you know, are you progressing? Are you moving towards something beautiful? And is there beauty in that process? Yes. Thank
0: you for listening to the life of your podcast. We keep things pretty simple around here and don't include sponsors so that you can get our focused attention. So please subscribe, leave us a quick review, or share it with other service families you know. If you would like more information or want to connect, you can find out more by going to coryweathers.com or life-giver.org for tons of content and resources and encouraging you to create more margin in your life as well.